The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, chapter 24. Now on that same day when Jesus had appeared to Mary Magdalene, two disciples were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were discussing and talking, Jesus himself came near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what are you discussing with each other? While you walk along, they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? He asked them, What things? They replied, The things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty in word and deed before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it, just as the women had said, but they did not see him. Then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted the things about himself in all the scriptures. As they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it is almost evening and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. Then they said to each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road, and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable unto you, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. It is now the third Sunday of the church's Easter season, where in our gospel reading for today, we, biblically speaking, haven't yet gotten past the first Sunday in the church's Easter season. Easter, it turns out, is too big a deal to be dealt with in only one week. Truth be told, of course, three weeks isn't enough time to deal with a lifetime with Easter either, because dealing completely with Easter is what forever is for. Until then, we are called to journey the journey of our lives on the pathway of the new normal 
that Easter gives us, that being the new norm where it is the power of faith, not fear. Not, it is love, not hate. It is life, not death, that define the path we walk on because it is the great and final Easter we are walking toward. In our Gospel reading for today, on the other hand, even though it is the very first Easter, we meet these two disciples who are on a path that is not yet the path of Easter's new normal, but is rather still that all too old and normalized in this world path, where it is fear that leads us, and hate that defeats us, and death which convinces us that its is the last word for us. The specific two, however, who are on that as of yet uneastered path are a man named Cleopas and another person who is unnamed and whom some, with, uh, with a little bit of between the lines biblical support, actually speculate is the wife of this man named Cleopas, which could be true. Although this being Luke's gospel, the gospel in which women play a greater role than in all the other gospels combined, I've always thought that if uh, this was Cleopas's wife, Luke, um, first of all, would have said that, and second of all, would have told us her name. By the way, her name was Mary, we know elsewhere. Which leaves me open to the possibility that the reason this person isn't named is because Luke, writing sometime later, actually didn't know who this was with Cleopas and his Wi-Fi was down. It, or he'd have Googled, right? In any case, what Luke does tell us is that Cleopas and this other person had been followers of Jesus, had, in other words, come to believe in Jesus, had set their hopes on Jesus, had apparently even gone to Jerusalem with Jesus only when they got to Jerusalem, then to see everything they'd hoped for in the name of Jesus nailed to a cross to die with Jesus. And Friday night came and went. And then Saturday and Saturday night came and went. And then the third day came bringing crazy rumors of angels telling fairy tales to women. And Cleopas and whoever it was he was with went, setting out on the road to a small village named Emmaus, which Luke says was seven miles away. And as they walked, Luke says they, quote, were talking with each other about all these things that had happened, although that's not actually quite literally true because they weren't actually talking about all that had happened because remember, it's Easter Sunday. And they had been told of angels saying Easter. But the one thing they weren't talking about was Easter. What they were talking about rather was how it all had gone wrong and how the new normal they were just going to have to now deal with somehow was the painfully numbed normal of grief to grieve and hopes that had been shattered. That, not Easter, is what they were talking about as they walked on the road to Emmaus on Easter. Late afternoon. And that is when 
in a variation of a theme we've actually seen now three weeks in a row in our readings this Easter season, then that as they were leaving Easter and leaving hope behind them, that is when Easter and hope came down the road to find them. To find them in the person of the risen Christ whom they now saw with their own eyes walking up to them, but they didn't recognize him as because, says Luke, quote, their eyes were kept from doing so. Their eyes were kept from recognizing him. Kept from recognizing him by what, do you suppose? Luke doesn't say. Or by whom, do you suppose? Luke doesn't say. By him, do you suppose? Was he disguised somehow, covering his face somehow, not wanting to be recognized for some reason? It's possible, I suppose. I lean into what seems to me the more likely possibility that what's going on here is that we humans, pretty much all of us as far as I can tell, have a tremendous capacity for not seeing things that we weren't expecting to see. Even to the point of not recognizing people whom we weren't looking to see, especially and most often when we see them in a context different than the context where we normally see them, which was absolutely the case in this text, which where the context was death. And everybody knows that the dead are buried never to be seen again. But for whatever reason, Luke does tell us they didn't recognize him when he caught up to them and said to them, what were you talking about there as you're walking? And that's when one of them with a name Luke knows, Cleopas says, seriously, you're coming from Jerusalem just like we are and you don't know the things that happened there this weekend? And of course he did know. He knew absolutely everything about everything that had happened that weekend, including what had happened that very morning just before dawn. But he wanted their take, wanted to hear what they thought they knew had happened. So, what things, he said. At this point, and this is priceless, I mean, you have to enjoy this because you can't make this stuff up. Uh, at this point, on Easter Sunday afternoon, Cleopas shared the bad news about Jesus with the risen from the dead Jesus. Martin Luther one time was deeply depressed and none of his wife Kate's counsels had helped him and so she left the room and came back a bit later dressed all in black. Luther noticed and asked, are you going to a funeral? Kate replied, no, but since you act like God is dead, I wanted to join you in your mourning. We are told that Martin got the message. Cleopas and whoever he was walking with that first Sunday afternoon knew for a fact that Jesus was dead. And they said as much to the unrecognized Jesus risen from the dead who had now just joined them in their mourning. He was like nobody ever, Cleopas said. A mighty prophet in word and deed, he said. Mighty, with mighty godliness that we could all see, he said. And then he paused and he sighed. And they killed him, he said. Then to go on to say, surely one of the saddest sentences there is for a person to hear and feel themselves saying. We had hoped, he said, that he was the one.
the one who would at last ransom Israel, do what needed to be done, pay what needed to be paid, defeat what needed to be defeated, to set us free. We had hoped, Cleopas said, that he was that one. What defines the saddest part of that sentence, of course, is the tense. We had hoped, as in, we don't anymore. Hope, of course, is one of the most powerful things there is. Humans can get through an amazing amount of incredibly difficult things powered by hope. Hopelessness, on the other hand, like its twin, despair, is one of the most powerfully devastating things there is, making anything we're going through seem like it's just too much to bear. And despair feels even devastatingly stronger when it comes crashing down upon us from the high heights of what had been our highest hopes. We all know this, which is why we have all at one time or another said to someone or said to ourselves what? Don't get your hopes up. These two on the road to Emmaus, with this one they didn't recognizing, had gotten their hopes higher than they'd ever been in their whole lives. And those hopes weren't just dashed, they were crucified. And now the heaviness in his heart was so heavy, Cleopas thought it might just kill him, like he had to keep reminding himself even just to breathe. And then the stranger said to them words that on the page look harsh, but they really weren't so harsh. They were really rather so love. Love which wanted them to know that they were hurting, the hurt they were hurting with right now and the hopelessness they felt like was almost killing them right now had in fact been Eastered to death by the one and only whose death by dying could bring life back to the dead and the dying. Oh, how foolish you are, he said. How slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Wasn't it necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? And then he led them in what I've got to believe was the best Bible study ever. As says Luke, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. And as he did, their hearts that had been heavied within them now began to burn within them. And what they began to burn with was that powerful combination of faith and hope and and love that was so powerful, there's only one word for it, that word being Easter. For years and years when I read this text and preached on this text, I, I did so with a thought that I wish Luke would have given some details about this Bible story. Like, you know, what specific verses in the Old Testament, what specific passages did Jesus say were pointing out to him? How in the world did I miss it? I mean, talk about foolish and slow of heart to believe. Listen again and see if you hear it. Beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. Luke doesn't tell us what particular passage here or there in the Old Testament uh, Jesus had pointed to him. He told us that Jesus told them that at all. The entire story, every sentence of it in its own way pointed to him. Either by pointing to this sin-broken world's damned need for him, or by pointing with the prophet's faithful promises of the coming of him.
which they had never seen before. Because why? Not because what was there wasn't right there to be seen, but rather, again, because it was right there and wasn't seen because it wasn't what they were looking for. They had gotten, hadn't gotten it because they were reading it all backwards. backwards. They wanted the Messiah to save his people, the Jews, from suffering, like the suffering they were doing now under Rome. But he told them of a Messiah who would save them by suffering, and doing so at both the hands of the Jews and the Romans, and for the saving love of both the Jews and the Romans. Seven miles makes it, I'm thinking, an hour and a half long Bible study, give or take. It flew by. They wished it would never end. And so when they reached their destination seven miles away, well, it was dusk, Luke says. It was evening. And so what do you know? These two, apparently being Lutheran, they launched into a, a service of Holden evening prayer. <clears throat> Stay with us now, for it is evening, and the day is almost over, they sang. Well, they didn't sing. But now you know, if, if, <clears throat> if you're a Lutheran, um, you know where that line from Holden evening prayer came from. It comes from this story, that Easter evening, which in its own way, if you know that next Lent, makes it even kind of more fun and more powerful maybe to sing during every year during Lent as we wait for Easter. And he did stay. He went into the house with them and sat down at their table, except their table then became his table. And he then became the host who presided at the meal. When, says Luke, he took bread, blessed and broke it and gave it to him, and then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. N.T. Wright, uh, I'm paraphrasing here, but it's his observation, in pointing out that the Old Testament does throughout precurse and point to the new and to Jesus, observes that in the first meal ever mentioned in God's creation, Adam and Eve share a piece of fruit, and then their eyes are opened, and they look at themselves and at each other, and they see guilt and shame and sin. Now in Luke 24 comes the first meal mentioned in God's new creation, where it says that in receiving the bread, these two's eyes were opened, and they saw the risen from the dead Savior of sinners. A final thought. Ten of them, Peter and James and John and the others, saw him in the flesh, and then believed and rejoiced. Thomas, later, saw him in the flesh, and then he believed and worshipped. These two, on the other hand, saw him in the flesh and still didn't believe or actually see anything at all. And then, of course, there are we who would give anything to see him in the flesh to be strengthened in our belief. Which all of a sudden leaves me with another possible explanation, uh, and this might be crazy, I don't know anybody who supports this, um, but another possible explanation for the fact that the person on the road to Emmaus with Cleopas isn't named in the story. 
I'm wondering if it's just actually might possibly be Luke's way of writing us into the story. That that person on the road to Emmaus with Cleopas isn't named because their name is your name. For in this story you are reminded, you are promised that the two things given to Cleopas, the two things that lit his heart afire with the flame of Easter, hope and faith and love are also given to you. The first promise, he comes to you. He does, in the Word. The second promise, he comes to you. He does, in the blessing and the breaking of the bread. He comes comes to you in your joy and in your grief, in your faith and in your doubt, in your hopes and in your fears. To you, to you, he comes. And he comes again, and he comes again. Stay with us, Lord, morning and evening, and open our hearts and our eyes and our all to you and then to others for your sake. Amen.